Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. So today I'm going to be sharing with you a message. Uh, My title for my message today is called Renewed Faith for a New Year. It's called Renewed Faith for a New Year. And I just kind of want to start this out. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question, a couple questions, okay? Is that, is that cool? Yeah. All right, listen, this works better when y'all talk back to me. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Y'all, y'all got it. Y'all got it. So the first question I want to ask you is, have you ever played this game? Uh, I like to call it the if only game. You know, it's, we've all played it. If only I had a better car. You ever played that? If only I had a better job, a better paying job. Amen. We've all prayed that one. Um, If only I had a better house or I lived in a better neighborhood. If you're here today and you're single, maybe you're thinking, if if only I had a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife. And if you're here today and you're married, maybe you're thinking, if I don't, don't do that. Okay, I won't do that one. But maybe, maybe if you're married today, maybe you're praying, you know, if only I had a husband or wife with a better car, a better house, some nicer children that do good in school, they do their homework and clean their beds and a pension, all these things would be great, right? We have all played the, uh, the if only game, you know, and, and, and those are kind of funny, but the truth is some of those reflect our greatest needs. You know, maybe you're, you're here today and you're thinking if only uh, my doctor's report had said this, or if only it could say this, you know, or, or again, maybe you're thinking if only I had passed my last college exams right before the holiday break or, or whatever it is, a lot of those things are our biggest needs, um, you know, despite the ones that are funny. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. Um, I would like you to listen and view today's message from your heart through the lens of your greatest need. Moving into the new year, I think we can, make a, we can make a lot of good and positive steps to get you closer to seeing your greatest deeds. So just, just do me that one favor now. The second question I have for you, um, and this one will be a little fun too. Uh, have you ever been asked to do something by somebody that you trust and you know and you love and you know that they have your best interest at heart, uh, but what they asked you to do just didn't make any sense? Just me? I'm the only one? Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about my son. Uh, this, pic, this next picture coming up, uh, this is my son Christian. He's eight. He's in our kids, our uh, elementary area right now. And uh, uh, he gave me that same look you gave me a minute ago. Like, what do you mean this don't make sense? So we bought him Jenga. And you may have played Jenga. It's, it's fun with the blocks and everything. But the particular version that we got him a couple years ago was uh, like the sleeve that it comes in and it's a special sleeve so it, it makes cleanup easier. So once you're completely done playing, you stack all the blocks, you put the sleeve over the top, y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and then you just kind of slide it off, easy cleanup. And then the next time you wanna play, you just do, you know, open it upside down and, and everything comes out ready to play. But Christian, for the life of him, could not understand, if we're done playing, why do I have to stack the blocks like we're about to play again? Why can't I just throw them in there? So I just kind of did that thing that dads do. And I sat back and I just watched him try until it just drove him nuts. And finally he goes, okay, fine. We're going to stack them the right way. So we stacked them, cleaned up, no problem. But in the beginning of that, it just didn't make sense to him why we can't just, if we're done, throw it all back in the box and call it a day. Well, we got to work for it. 
But here's, here's what's, uh, what's cool. I want to share with you uh, a little bit from the Old Testament uh, today. I'm going to give you a little backstory, okay? So remember, greatest needs and things don't always make sense. But, but a little backstory. So there was these kind of big bad guys in the Old Testament. They were named the Moabites. Okay, now the Moabites were opposing God's people. And what, what happened is that they, they were like the fiercest warriors. They, they were the, 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 the largest army. So not, not anyone military division could defeat them. So this is also during the time where God's, God's kingdom at the time was split into two. You had Judah and you had Israel. And so these two guys had come together along with another uh, kingdom. And so now they got three to one odds and they're ready to fight the Moabites. But the problem is there's no water. They're in the middle, middle of a scorching hot desert and their horses are dying. Even though they, they have the numbers on their side, their horses are dying, their soldiers are dying of thirst, and they're in a bit of a pickle. Can we agree that that would be a rough time? Okay, five of y'all, all right. Uh, we can agree. No. Uh, this is where we're going to pick up today in 2 Kings verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 10. This is the, the king's talking. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah, great name for a child, by the way. King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. And one of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha. Son of Shaphat is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. And Jehoshaphat, he, a little light bulb went off because he knew him. Uh, he said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, uh, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. See, they're out here on this battlefield, and their horses are starting to die. And, and, and you know, you can't pull chariots and whatnot with, with dead horses. And you can't win a battle with dead soldiers. And so there's no water for anyone to drink. And they're all just dying of thirst and burning in the desert. I would say that they hadn't planned for that. Would you agree? Have you ever noticed that things don't always go the way we plan them? Especially when we plan them without God. But we'll get into that a little bit more. See, here's what I do love about these kings. Despite the fact that they had three to one odds and were in this huge problem, uh, huge pickle, they, they decided to identify what their biggest need was, and that was to bring God into the equation. You know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about the if only. You know, I would dare to say that none of us, would, none of us thought, well, if only I had stronger faith, right? That's not something that we would think about. Not a whole lot. But I want to challenge you again, listen to today through that lens, your greatest need, uh, because here's what I want to share with you is number one on your program, you can write this down, your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need, that, that need that is holding you back becomes a greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. So here we are, let's fast forward a little bit. Now, Elisha is coming into this equation, and I love Elisha. Um, I don't know if you read the Bible like I do, but, but I paint these pictures in my mind. Um, I paint these pictures in my mind, and, and I see everything um, a little differently. I, 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 li I like to think that the characters are sometimes like me, and maybe they're a little sarcastic and a little brash, a little cocky once in a while. And Elisha is nothing if not that. So I love, I'm going to get to share with you uh, his response. So this is what he says. Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. He done brought mama into it, y'all. Won't you go ask your mama to fix your problems? You didn't want to talk to God before? Go ask your mama. 
it's getting serious. That's serious business when mama comes in. Okay, but King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. The Lord didn't call them here. You get that? They're blaming God. The Lord brought us out here. No, 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 no. You're in this situation because you didn't bring the Lord with you to begin with. Now, have you ever tried to justify your bad behavior and bad decisions because the Lord called you to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I talk to people all the time and, oh, well, you know, the Bible says this and the Lord just wants this for me and the Lord just wants, no, 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 the Lord wants you to be obedient. He wants you to listen and to communicate with him and bring him into the equations and problems in your life. But they didn't do that. They didn't do it. I mean, better late than never, right? Now they got the prophet there. So uh, Elisha replied, as surely as the Almighty lives whom I serve, you notice he didn't say who we serve because they didn't. He said, who I serve, um, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. You see, there was a time when Jehoshaphat had been obedient to the word of the Lord. And Elisha remembered that. Uh, get this, though. This is, this is fun. Um, you're really going to enjoy this. This is what, he, what, uh, what uh, Elisha says. He says, now bring me someone who can play the harp. We are in the desert. We have no water. Probably not. Probably didn't bring the orchestra. Bring me someone who can play the harp. Now, if you didn't know this, listen, a harp is very difficult to play. There's on average about 48 strings on a harp. They're about six foot tall and weigh 80 pounds. They're a little complicated to move across a solid floor with wheels. We're in the desert. Let me give you an idea what this would look like. If you'll, you'll check this picture out behind me here. Yeah. All that Christmas traveling y'all did, you didn't have to take a harp nowhere, right? It's a little complicated, but, but here's what, it, it is funny to think of that. But the truth is, um, it was very common for prophets to request a time of worship. Because when you worship, you come into the presence of God. That's one way that you can do that. We did that earlier. Weren't they amazing? We got a wonderful band. Uh, but, but we did that a little bit earlier. And, and so it wasn't that uncommon uh, it was a tall order, but music is a way that we connect with God. And so um, 2 Kings verse 15, or 315 says this, Then it happened when the music played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, this is one of where things start making sense even more, he says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of what? Ditches. Of ditches. Make this valley Full of ditches. Now that reminds me of back when Christian did not understand why I would ask him to take a little action and put the blocks back together to go back in the box. It just didn't make sense to him. Well now, now if I'm those kings, I'm, my eyes are this big. I, I have no idea. We just managed to get a harp in the middle of the desert. I have no idea why. This is, this is number two. Write this down and then I'll get more into it. Number two says this, only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. This is what Elisha said. The, the, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and, and this is what he said. He said to the kings, you will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the armies of Moab. 
you know, he's getting a little more cocky and sarcastic here, right? Like they're in a place where they're like, listen, our guys can barely stand up. They are dying of thirst. The horses can't even, can't even get off their knees. You want us to send them out there in the blazing, scorching desert sun to do manual labor and dig holes in the ground? But did you catch what Elisha said? He said, this is a simple thing for the Lord. Like, it's not a simple thing for you, but it's a simple thing for the Lord. Have you ever noticed that our emergencies are not God's emergencies? We, we get that way, right? We, we want something so bad, and, and God, I just don't understand why this won't happen. And God is dealing with every problem in all creation. And we are angry that somebody cut us off in traffic and don't know why he can't, you know, just, just make, those, make that car's tires flat. Y'all ever prayed that? <laughs> Woo! I know I haven't. Look, he's getting, he's getting a little... little honoring with these kings, but, but get this, they, digging the ditches wasn't the thing, right? Like that, that wasn't what fixed them, their obedience and their willingness to take action. See, God, if you're here today and you're a Christian, I want you to know something. Your God is a God of action. If he wasn't, we wouldn't follow him. But just like our God, our heavenly father is a God of action. We as his people and his children are called to be people of action. So you can't just sit around and wonder, you, you ever prayed for something and nothing happened? Like, like, you ever prayed for something to happen, but you weren't willing to do anything? And then, I don't know, God just never did it. He, didn't, he wanted it. God is a God of action. So here's what I would ask you. Um, well, no, no, before we do that, look, in the New Testament, I want to give you an example. In the New Testament, uh, there's this moment where, uh, there's, there's this moment where, where Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Now, his hand, like, I don't know what that means. I'm guessing, like, it's shriveled. Whatever the case, his hand didn't work the way it was supposed to. And in this culture, he wouldn't have wanted people to know he had problems. We're not like that. We don't hide anything from one another, right? We, we never hide our problems in church, do we? Oh, a little conviction. So what happens is this guy, he's hiding his withered hand. He's probably hid that hand his entire life because he doesn't want people to know what he's got going on. But Jesus said, you have to reach it out to me. He said, reach your hand out. Extend your hand. In other words, be willing to take a step of faith and put your problem out there so I can help with your problem. Send your soldiers out into the burning hot desert sun and dig a ditch. Here's what I would ask you is, is have you ever tried to hide your problem? Have you? Tell the truth. Yeah. Some of us are hiding it today. That's all right. We're going to work through that. We're going to work through that. Uh, I, I love this in James. Uh, James in the New Testament, uh, 2.26. This is what he says. Um, just as the body is dead without breath. Just as the body is dead without breath. So also is faith dead without good works. Now, we do tend to think and I'm guilty of it in the past. We do tend to think, well, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm good. If I ask him for something, he's going to do it. And then not doing anything on my end, not, doing, not working out my faith, right? Not, not doing any good works. And, and I'm not saying that it's a legalistic thing where we have to work, 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 work. No, no, no. We could never work hard enough to earn what Jesus has given us. But this is what I will tell you. I've, I've read this passage so many times, uh, a variation of it has been on my office wall for the last two years. 
but I've never really caught on to this until I was preparing for this message, just as the body is dead without breath. Like, that's, a, that's an odd thing to think about. Like, we die without breath. Does faith, faith die without good works? You know, the amount of time that we as human beings can live without food can be measured in weeks, maybe even months, depending on you, right? The amount of time you can live without water can be measured in days, maybe even weeks. But the amount of time that the human body can live without breath is measured in minutes. It's that vital to our life. And if breath is that vital to our life, and, and, and God's word is saying that those good works are vital to our faith, we cannot afford to sit on the couch and do nothing. We have to be a people of action. Now, what does this mean for you? What is your ditch? What is, what is the ditch that God put on your heart and you need to dig in order to get to uh, the, the solution to those greatest problems in your life that you're facing? You know, for some people, it'd be reading the Bible, right? Uh, oh, everybody in here reads the Bible every day? Uh-huh. Some of us, it's reading the Bible. You know what's funny? What's funny, church, is, is uh, I recent, uh, about a year ago, I, I laid down a challenge and a message similar to this one. And, and I just challenged people, hey, if, if you read at the, the speed of a third grader, on average, in 15 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible in a year. And a lady did it. And it just made my day, you know, because I'm not our lead pastor. I'm not the one up here every week. Uh, but but this, this was such a, such a beautiful moment because she said that she never realized, like, I mean, she, she's, uh, she's a little bit older than I am. And she's never read the Bible all the way through, not once. And she actually did it, and she reads a little faster than the third grader. So she finished in about nine, ten months. It's pretty cool. And, and we have no excuse. We have devices that will read the Bible to us. And if you sit in traffic for 15 minutes a day, if you live in this area, you sit in traffic for more than 15 minutes a day, you can surely get through the Bible in a year's time. So I just, I would say maybe that's your ditch. Well, what about prayer? Maybe prayer for you is we're about to enter into a season, and I'm not going to get too much into it. There's a, 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 pro, a flyer in your programs, but when you leave church today, everybody in here, when you leave out the back doors, you're going to get one of these. It says pray first, and it's a, it's a prayer journal. It'll teach you how to pray. It's a devotional. Uh, if you already know how to pray, it'll grow what you already know, and, and it's, just, it's fantastic, and I'm so excited more information on that's in your program, though. But, but maybe, maybe prayer. What about fasting? Well, I have good news. That's also in your program. You can read all about that. But maybe fasting is what you need. Maybe that's your ditch. And fasting is not overly complicated, okay? You pick something and you don't have it for 21 days. It's that simple, okay? Now, if you don't eat ice cream, don't say, well, I'm fasting ice cream. You end up like three kings I know in the, wiz- in the, in the desert. But no, uh, maybe it's growth track. Maybe you don't have a place to feel at home and belong. Maybe for you, it would be taking your next step in growth track. There's also uh, all of the information for all of those is, is in your program. But here's what I want you to do. On the back of your connection card, and don't do this if you're not really going to do this. Okay, because we got a bad habit of that. Here's what I want you to do. The next step that I want to challenge each and every one of us with today is I will identify and act on my growth areas for the coming year. What do I need to grow in? Do I need to read my Bible? Do I need to pray? You don't have to write down what you're going to do. Just take that next step and don't check it if you ain't going to do it. It's a big thing. Little things make a, a, a big difference. Uh, uh, speaking of little things, number three is I want to share this with you. 
Number three simply says this, uh, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Real faith believes big, but is willing to, to start small. So, you know, we, I'm not going to get into talking about New Year's resolutions. None of y'all going to keep them anyway, but we ain't going to get too much in that. I want to encourage you, if you're thinking about making a goal for this year, don't set your goal to fix a problem. Uh, I recently learned this from a very wise friend of mine. Don't set your goals just big enough to fix your problem. Set them bigger than your problem, so then you can fix all the other problems along the way. So think about that. Maybe, maybe whatever little thing it is that you're, you're going to add into your, your spiritual life, uh, uh, make it a lifestyle. Don't make it a resolution. Make it part of you. Make it part of your routine. You know, some of those growth areas might seem small compared to your greatest need. Like, Chris, you just don't understand. I got uh, this happening and, and that happening. I got all these things happening. And praying for 15 minutes or reading the Bible for 15 minutes a day, how's it going to fix that? I understand. Like, there are some real, real problems and real needs and real struggles. And I know a lot of those, and I pray for a lot of those within the church every time you put your prayer request on your connection card. But, but here's what I want to share with you today. It's Zechariah 4.10. Zechariah 4.10 says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Here's, here's another little thought, and I, I meant to say this a few moments ago, but when, if, if you are starting out in your prayer life or you're upgrading your prayer life this year, take time once you're done, once the amen hits, to sit and listen. See, God might not speak to you audibly, but God will speak to you. And maybe not every time, maybe not every day, but God will speak to your heart. You wouldn't have a conversation with me and you do all the talking, would you? You got to be quiet and listen. So, so anyway, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices for the word to begin. I want to share another photo with you today. Um, and, and I specifically requested a raw photo that's not photoshopped or anything like that, okay? That's, that's not a very attractive place. Uh, but that was our first building in Forest Park. That's where uh, all of this be began for me. My faith life began in that building. And that was where we were uh, 22, 23, I don't, I don't know. But that was a lot of years ago. But here's what I'll tell you. We were a lot different church back then. Our music was different. Our, our presentation, our speaking was different. Our discipleship, so much was different back then. Our demographics were different. We were a different church back then. But here's what I can tell you. Everybody that was there back then, where it was like 30 or 40 of us, okay, 50 maybe, on, on Easter, <laughs> where we had that many of us, there was a group of people that got together and they said, hey, you know what? We're not going to despise these small beginnings. And because of those small beginnings last weekend, this is something else to celebrate, because of those small beginnings and, and people not, not despising them and being willing to grind it out and take step after step after step after step in faith, last weekend we had six Christmas Eve services and they were attended by 1,333 people and 15 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Pastor Jeff speaks all the time about, uh, and, and he, not just up here, uh, teaches our staff all the time that a 1% change makes all the difference. 
You know, you, you read this wonderful book and it's a life-changing book and you find one thing in there. Don't try to read, don't reinvent the wheel. Just find one thing that speaks to you and can change your life. Don't despise these small beginnings because here's what happens. Uh, what happened is they did send the soldiers out. They did send the soldiers out. Uh, they did dig the holes. And here we are in verse 20. The next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water... This is beautiful. Water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. And I'm not going to read to you the conclusion, uh, but here's what I can tell you. They won the battle. They won the war. And just because they didn't go to God first doesn't mean God didn't listen when they finally came to their senses and talked to him. So if you're in the middle of something, don't think he won't listen just because you didn't bring him in on day one. It's not too late. You know, but, but it is funny how the past, or no, how, how the, the present echoes the past and projects the future. See, because on this battlefield about 600 years before the, the date that we've been talking about, Moses, another prophet of the Lord, was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness uh, during the great exodus. And they were in a similar predicament where they were all dying of thirst. Their cattle, their children, their soldiers, their, their priests, their prophets, everybody was dying. And through the power of God, Moses called life-giving water from a rock. And they were saved. Here on this battlefield, they, they dug ditches and God filled them and they were saved. With water from heaven, God filled them and they were saved. Uh, 950 years, thereabout. After this battlefield, Jesus, our Savior, we, we celebrated his, his, his birth last week with Christmas. And, and today I want us to celebrate something else. Because Jesus came and he was sitting around a well in a neighborhood that most people in his position would not have gone to. Talking to a woman that most people in his position wouldn't have even glanced at, let alone had a conversation with. As a matter of fact, he told her everything she had ever done in her life. She was thirsty. She was coming to the well because she was thirsty and she had no idea what she was actually walking into that day. In John 4, verse 13, Jesus answered her this when, as they were speaking. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who gets what they think they need is going to be thirsty again. Jesus said this, but whoever drinks the water I give them will become, will, will, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, there, this, this symbolism of life-giving water is all throughout the Bible. It's, it's all throughout Scripture. But, but it's not always just symbolic of being thirsty or, or, or whatnot. You know, the, the funny thing is we, people used to gather water to live. They used to gather at wells to get water to live. Now, um, now we, gather, we gather things from our careers, right? We, we gather wealth and and riches. And by the way, if you're here this morning, chances are you are either in or very close to being in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, if you didn't know that. So we gather riches 
from our careers and from our skills and our abilities. We gather accolades from, from our family's triumphs and the, the, our, our, we teach our children the same thing when they play games and all that, but all of that will one day fade away. We get to certain levels, and it's funny, uh, we get to certain levels and we like to separate ourselves, don't we? We reach certain heights and, and maybe you live on this side of town, so you drink out of that well. Maybe I live on this side of town, don't drink out of my well, this is my well. Maybe, you know, that's what I love so much about our church is we are such a blend of, of backgrounds of faith, of, of ages, of, of ethnicities, you name it, and it meets at Stockbridge Community Church. We all drink from the same well. We all meet for the same well. And it's that life-giving water that can only come from relationship with Jesus. Whatever your greatest need is, Jesus can deliver it if you're willing to be a person of action, if you're willing to identify it. And, and that looks different for each and every one of us. So we don't all have to do it the same way. But I can tell you this, if you have not made a decision to ask Jesus into your life, do not end this year without doing that. Inside your program, there's a prayer, and I'm not gonna embarrass you, make you raise your hand, make you come down here. Here's what I would say is if that's you and you pray that prayer and you say, me too, Jesus, me too, I, I want you to, to bring that life-giving water into my life and to change my family tree for generations to come. All you have to do is pray that prayer, and here's all I'm gonna ask you to do because I wanna pray for you. Our staff here at SCC wants to pray for you this week. Just check that box on your connection card that said, I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.